do what would constitute the best news ever. I would, I, would, I would expect that the best news might be news that would affect everyone, right? I mean, might be good news, the best news would maybe affect everyone on the planet. Like, say, the sun is going to come up tomorrow, right? But the best news ever, the best news that has ever come, that anyone has ever heard, would have to be news that would not just affect everyone on the planet, but everyone of all time at the same time. And when you start talking about the eternal God, you start making statements like everyone of all time at the same time. Because that doesn't make sense in our minds. But we're talking about the work of the eternal almighty God. And only he can deliver and can provide for the best news ever. I want you to notice as we go through the resurrection morning from all the different gospels, I want, I want you to notice the care which God takes to explain to us what's happening on that morning, that the best news ever came to us. Uh, it, picture it being like some huge event that the whole world is watching, you know, not, I guess you'd say the Super Bowl, but I'm also thinking like, um, you know, the, the, the wedding of the, of the next king or queen of England or something like that. Uh, but either way, picture what usually happens at this, these events is you'll have several reporters working together, bringing you on the spot, eyewitness, taking the camera to that spot where maybe the event is being staged. And then they have it over here where, where they're waiting for the person to come out the door. You know, this is the first stage of it. And then they're back over here where there's going to be the after party or, or where they're, they're going to be uh, covering things from, from uh, a, the, the latter part of the night on. And, and, and they're, you know, they kind of start with saying, we've got, you know, Tony over here and we've got Barbara over here and we've got Sam over here and we're going to be bringing you angles from everywhere. Understand that that's what we get from a historical perspective when we read through the Gospels when the best news ever is being covered of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From a historical perspective, it is history like none other that we have just if you're going to talk about four reporters bringing us the news. So this morning, we're going to be stringing together the record of that first resurrection day. Don't worry about flipping around for it. We'll have it up there on the screen for you. And as was read for us this morning, we see that after the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
went to look at the tomb. And what you love about this is, is it being the, the, dawn, the dawn after the Sabbath, they couldn't go out until dawn. I think they would have stayed there all night if the Sabbath would have allowed them. It says, and they're on their way, and there's a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And we see, as we move to Luke 24, the the women come to the tomb. And they see this as it has happened. It says, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. I I love how they start, you know, the angels in these, these um, accounts of what took place on this morning, they're almost like, they're not toying with the people there. They're almost like enjoying watching the knowledge come to their eyes and their mind. They're enjoying watching this, like a sun rising in their mind of just what's going on here. And you'll see them over and over again say, come and look, come and see look here. And then they're going to say, go and tell. It's like, do you know what's happened here, the angels, throughout these accounts? So he says, he is not here. He has risen back in verse 6. Remember how he told you while while he was with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And finally, they come into the tomb. Now now note here, though, Mary Magdalene leaves before the angels appear. Okay? So she's confused. She's not sure what's going on. She knows the stone is rolled back and the tomb is empty. So the angels here are aware of God's redemptive plan. They are aware that it is the best news ever. So we pick up in Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. It's almost like, oh, I've been waiting to say this. The invitation to enter and to look, the angels want them to see the proof. And they enter in a second time. And as they entered into the tomb, we read in Mark, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene 
who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. See how the angels in concert with each other. It's almost like, you know, a person greeting you at the door and somebody finds you in the inside and like, see, look here, see. It's something they want him to catch it. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And then we we skip to the report of the guards and the response of their leaders back in Matthew 28. It says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say the disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, then we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Now note something here, okay? You have the soldiers who saw the angel and saw the stone rolled away and saw the empty tomb with no faith, with no change of heart, with no impact. It is possible. It is very possible. You may be sitting here and you're like, why do I come here every Easter? Why do I get dressed up? Every Easter, why do I go here? The same story. I pray that it will make an impact on you. Because it is the best news ever. There's nothing else coming like it. Nor has there been. But you can go on and it not have any impact. Deep in your soul where it should. So we see in the meantime, Mary reaches Peter and John. She left the tomb again before the women see the angels and and they are off by themselves. They're not with the other apostles. It says, so she, Mary Magdalene, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Notice it's John writing it. So they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and John go to the tomb. It says, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the stripes, the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, it doesn't say that of Peter. They still did not understand from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now some time passes until all the disciples are back together. And also the women have gathered back together. Maybe they're comparing notes. Maybe Mary Magdalene is aware now that the the others saw angels there at the tomb after she had left. At this point, no one mentions the angels to the disciples though. So then all the women report to the disciples. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like to, to them like nonsense. And Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. So Peter goes back. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And you wonder if he's got to go back and say, wait a second, wait. Okay, they're talking about something miraculous has happened here. I'm going to go back and check these linen strips because if somebody had, like, stolen his body, they either would have taken it all wrapped out, wrapped up and taken it out, or they would have just torn off the strips taken the expensive incense from from within the the strips of linen and maybe stolen the body after that. But he goes back and he looks specifically and sees the strips of linen there as they are, the head cloth folded up and put in place. And he's still wondering what had happened. Now, at this point, two disciples, not of the apostles, and we'll, we'll get to what that is, but two of the disciples depart for a town called Emmaus. I, I don't know if they're like, this is getting weird. You know, they were scared as it was. All of them were scared as it was. They were held up in a room. But these two depart for Emmaus, and they don't know anything else that's going to take place from this point forward in Jerusalem. And at some point, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appears to Peter, also known as Cephas. But Mary and Magdalene and the other women now return to the tomb. We're reading John 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And now... She sees two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She still can't understand what's going on. They have taken away my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they have put him. In verse 14, at this, she turns around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Don't you love this? What's she going to do? 
you know, this, this I, I picture this small woman just thinking, I'll just drag him back to the honored place. I'll close the tomb again. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. We get a picture here of what has truly happened with his statement there. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, that he had said these things to her. And while she's gone, Jesus appears to the other women that go to the tomb with her. Somehow they were, they were apart from Mary at this time. It says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. <coughs> then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. I don't know if what, in this short time that if Jesus ascended, passed into eternity, ascended to his Father, made our payment for us in that tabernacle in the heavens which we're told about in Hebrews where he placed his blood on the mercy seat of God's forgiveness for our sake. <clears throat> but somehow he tells Mary Magdalene, don't cling to me, and he's letting the other ladies clasp his feet. There's your details. But remember these two guys walking to Emmaus, confused, depressed, sad. We pick them up in Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Don't you love the questions of this day? Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? What are you talking about? <coughs> they stood still, their faces downcast. Now, you got to love, I mean, this is corroborating testimony from seven miles away of what's going on in Jerusalem. It says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
But they had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. He's gone. They continue. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions then went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And then we get Jesus' divine explanation of the most misunderstood best news ever. He said to them, How foolish are you? And how slow to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning them himself. Wouldn't you have loved to sat in on this Bible class? And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those that were with them assembled together and, and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. So, so they say to him, them, as they bust through the door, they're like, you're not going to believe it. It's true, the Lord's risen. He's appeared to Simon. So Peter's got a story now about seeing Jesus. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see here, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, were sti- they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. He's just like, okay, watch this then. We're talking this morning, this that I share with you is the best news ever. Do you know it as the best news that you have ever, ever heard? 
There's a lot of different ways that the statement, uh, you know, that, that news could be treated as good news or not, okay? The same statement could come across as good news or it could come across as bad news. You get a shot today, okay? For a pit, person bitten by a poisonous snake waiting to hear if there's any antidote available to them, it's good news to hear you get a shot today. A child waiting in a doctor's office to hear if they're current on their vaccinations, that's not good news to them. You know, that's when they're like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> Can you check again? I don't feel sick. You're going to stay. Okay? If you're <clears throat> a weary traveler, you had reservations at this hotel, it's two in the morning, and you're in Bismarck, North Dakota, to hear you're going to stay from that hotel clerk is good news. If you're in a courtroom and you're on trial waiting to hear from the judge and he looks at you and he says, you're going to stay, that's not such good news. Let me ask you, is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead as payment receipt? that it was done, is that the best news ever for you? The same news can be good or bad for different people depending on the circumstances. But there is one circumstance that everyone is in need of hearing. And it has to do with eternity. We're all in the same boat. The one thing that every person has in common on this planet, as sure as you're alive, you're going to die. You are going to die physically. That's bad news. Good news, good news for everyone would be that everyone would not have to die physically. That would be answer to bad news. Worse news than the fact that we're going to die physically is in the fact that we are dead spiritually. You see, we're told in Romans 3.23 that all of us, every single person on this earth has sinned. In the least amount, I've got plenty more than the least amount, but in at least thought, motive, deed, we have all sinned. And we're also told in Romans 6.23, the wages, what we deserve for that sin is death. Death is separation. When somebody dies physically, they're physically separated from their body. Okay? Okay? But death is also separation of relationship 
when a relationship dies, which maybe you've experienced. And death by sin has brought separation to our relationship with God. That relationship died. What's worse news is that a person stays in the spiritual state which they were in when they died physically. See, Romans, I'm sorry, Hebrews 9, 27 tells us, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The spiritual state that we die in is a spiritual state that we stay in for all eternity. So it's bad news that we die physically. It is worse news that we have died spiritually. And by dying physically while dead spiritually, we stay dead spiritually for eternity. We die a second death. That is an eternal death. Maybe you can see why best news ever for all people is that by rising from the dead, Jesus Christ has defeated spiritual death. He has made a way. And the best news ever for everyone that needs to hear is that you can live eternally. You do not have to die eternally. The news that passed on from Jesus to his followers to new followers for 2,000 years. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, He says here, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel. The gospel is a simple word that means the good news. I remind you here of the good news that I shared with you, that made you what you are, that made you to have a relationship with God. And then he goes on to explain it in verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So here we see that He didn't just bring them the good news. He brought them of what is first importance for all of time. He brought them the best news Ever. And just like the gospel accounts give detail of the story, Jesus made it overwhelmingly clear. He says, and then, and that he appeared to Cephas. Remember, that's, that's Peter that we, we heard about in the gospel accounts. Then to the 12, and we read about that. Then, we didn't read about this, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. What does that mean? That means at the time that Paul is writing this, 
Somebody could have stepped up and said, "Uh uh-uh, I was there, it was a hoax. That's huge when you're talking about history. But he admits, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, Jesus' doubting brother, who even during his days on earth would not believe in his brother Jesus. But seeing him risen from the dead became the very leader of the church in Jerusalem. And to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And so we see here this term apostle. You see, understand that in order for someone to be an apostle, this is why we don't have apostles today. In order for someone to be an apostle, they must have had to have seen the risen Lord themselves. This is why this is written by the Apostle Paul. Because not only did Jesus' doubting brother James, who wouldn't believe in him when he was alive, yet came to salvation, putting his faith in Jesus' death and resurrection after his resurrection. Not only was it him, but it was the murderous hater of the Christians, Saul, who Jesus appeared to him in his risen bodily form on the road to Damascus and changed him into the Apostle Paul. And that's why he writes, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Let me tell you, if you see the risen Lord for the first time today in your heart, he will change you forever. If you haven't been changed forever, you haven't seen the risen Lord in your heart. And we continue on here. The best news ever is that Jesus paved the way for us to have access to eternal life. Let's just notice a few things about these verses, okay? And we'll just, this is just real quick. First, Jesus died your death. Jesus died my death. Jesus died our death. This is what was delivered as of first importance, the best news ever. Jesus, Christ, died for our sins. As we mentioned, the wages of sin is death. We're told in, first, in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We're told in Hebrews 10, 12, that Christ offered, he had offered for all time his single sacrifice for sins. We're told in 1 Peter 3, 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that, his, that he might bring us to God. We're told in Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ is him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. 
Jesus died your death. But also Jesus rose for your eternal life. He was raised on the third day. The continuation of Romans 6.23 is, while the wages of sin is death, it continues on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Those disciples who were cowering in that room, that Jesus had to be like, whoa, peace. They became the apostles who were filled with the best news ever and were empowered by their relationship with God. We read in Acts 2, 23 through 24, where Peter is standing up in front of thousands of people. He goes from hiding in a room to standing up in front of thousands of people. And he says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And we see the Apostle Paul give this warning about the resurrection. And this is a warning to you if you do not see this as the best news ever. The times of ignorance God overlooked, he says in Acts 17, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. It may have happened 2,000 years ago, but we are held accountable to that moment. And we're encouraged that if you have received Christ as your Savior, and I'll explain that what that means, but if it is the case, we're told in Hebrews 13, 20 through 21, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What is the best news you ever heard? Is it that someone rose from the dead? Or is it that you can be resurrected to new life, eternal life, and be changed so much so that when you look at physical death, you think, if I live, if I die, it's gain. In order to be able to say that, you must be reborn. Because the fact is this. You can either be born once 
and die twice. Meaning you'll die physically and you'll die eternally. Or you can be born twice and only die once. And what I mean by that is the same statement that Jesus made when he was asked one day by a very learned religious man that wanted to have a theological conversation and said, Teacher, we believe that you have come from God. And Jesus stopped him in his tracks and he says, No one will see the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. And what that means is recognizing the fact that he died the death that I deserve. I deserve that death because I have sinned. But Jesus died in my place. And by rising again, as I've said, it's like we were given a receipt of payment made. Death could not hold him. And so it's as simple as saying to him, Lord, I'm one of those sinners. I can't have this relationship with you based on me. It's got to be based on Christ. So will you take what he did for me and put it on my account? We're told in John 1, 11, to as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. We go from God as our judge to God as our father. Scripture tells us that he adopts us as his sons and daughters. I got two adopted boys. Nobody's going to tell me they're not my kids. And that's how God feels about us. When we simply receive what he did through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and there'll be a shepherd at each corner here this morning. If you want to know in your heart what the best news ever is, come and talk to one of them. Father, thank you for news so great that it resonates through eternity that it resonates, has resonated forward for 2,000 years and that it will resonate throughout eternity for the next billion years. That it is eternal good news that it resonated backward to the beginning of time to everyone that had been waiting for redemption. Father, if there be anyone here, maybe they've heard it and heard it and heard it, but they want to know it as the best news ever. Lord, hear their prayer. Hear their cry out to you. As they admit that they need you, as they admit that what Jesus did in his death and in his resurrection They want it to count for them. 
and they receive you as their father. Lord, thank you. And Lord, allow us to be so changed that we could never be the same. By that morning, some 2,000 years ago, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.